The Chiefs survive MetLife Stadium, getting their first win there, 23-20. Let's talk about it. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory. It's a live edition of the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank, member FDIC. Thank you all so much for hanging out with us. I'm Kit Swanson here with Maddie Lynn and Craig Stout. Maddie, hello. Hi, how are you? Hello, hi, how are you? Uh, you know, I'm doing good. The Chiefs won. They're in first place here in the AFC. Things are rolling. But I'll tell you what, if in the back of my, and in my heart, in my heart, true to myself, if I wasn't ready to say, you know, this isn't a Chiefs to this, but like if I didn't have a lot of stuff to unload about this team right now, after what I just witnessed, because the All-22 was dropped a couple hours before we were recording this, if I did not say there wasn't a little bit of stuff to get off my chest about how this team played in this game versus the Jets, I, w- I would be lying to you, Craig. Yeah, well, I'm so glad that it's all focused on the offense, the clear deficient oh, yeah. of this Kansas City Chiefs squad in 2023. You know, <laughs> Patrick Mahomes needs to really step his game up here. I- I'm worried about him, everybody. I- I'm, I'm a little... Not Man, I tell you, you know, I-, I look across the, you know, I look across the sideline to what the Jets have at quarterback, and I just... He was really good. I just... It, <laughs> Uh, I don't, Maddie. I don't think we're gonna do a Chiefs to this this year. I think, I think you. I don't think this team can have a Chiefs to this coming off a Super Bowl. So, like, it cannot be a, an official Chiefs to this. I highly disagree with this. Yeah, we definitely did Chiefs to this after the last Super Bowl. We we had some Chiefs to this. Well, it, yeah, was it the Titans? I don't. I don't subscribe to this that like winning the Super Bowl lets you just like not care if team the team does bad stuff or <laughs> is it maximizing their ability. I do not subscribe to that logic. That's not what I'm saying. I just feel like there should be a grace period on on the Chiefs to this experience. That's all. That's all I'm saying. I mean, Vito. I'll be honest. I you know maybe it was just because I don't know the week one like Chiefs to this didn't even enter my mind after the week one game. Like, there's a lot of reasons why not, but, like... I I agree, no, I agree. Week one, and that was the loss, didn't even cross my mind. And I'm not saying this is a Chiefs to this. I'm just saying I have some stuff that I think that I got to get off here because this is four weeks where this team... uh, Three weeks, because the Bears, but that doesn't really count. Three weeks in which this Chiefs offense has not... I I don't think they've put their best foot forward. I don't think they have shown you anywhere close to what they can be. But I think more so the issue after the Jets game is the pathway to getting there seems as confusing as ever. And I think that's ultimately where I come. Like, that's what I'm saying. It's it's not a Chiefs to this. I want to be very clear. But I definitely think it's, we're four games in. I think you can start to have a serious talk about that there are issues that are showing in a team at this point in time, even if they are three and one. This is the sample size you get to where teams start making adjustments schematically to help account for teams a little bit better they have a better pulse and a better feel for some of these teams not to say that they're not scheming up every week but it's when you get a bigger sample size of a team you start to get a better pulse and idea of what the version of that is and four games is kind of that benchmark that people typically talk about as like this you know this is going to be a good indicator you know this is when adjustments real adjustments start being made and you know some of the you know some of the so the contenders and the pretenders start to show up a little bit more after four games. She's for first place in the AFC. 
uh, by the way, as we are talking about this four game sample size. But you're right. It does not preclude us from talking about some things that have clearly uh, been a problem. And we tried not to make any sweeping declarations after the Bears game. There was some obviously, you know, exciting things that you saw the Chiefs do in week three. It was back at it in week four with some of the stuff we've seen in the first three uh, or three games that weren't the Bears. So, uh, Maddie, I know you are are coming in hot here. So by all means, the floor is yours, my friend. Listen, I, it's hard to pinpoint one thing and with any side of a football team. When a football team struggles, let alone one side, it's hard to pinpoint one thing. Uh, but I think we got to start with the most important part, sorry, Craig, of this entire team, and that's the guy playing quarterback in Patrick Mahomes. He, he is still the lifeblood of this team. Not the defense. <laughs> he is still the lifeblood of this team. I understand it's getting close. It's now questionable <laughs> after the start of this season. But he is, he is what you know what makes this team go. And quite frankly, I thought he played pretty poor. Uh, it got it was so bad that last night that Kit and I were talking and we mentioned it on the post game show and we even brought it up a little bit on Twitter today, just speculating like, is there an injury that was leading into some of the poor throws that he was making? And it wasn't the bad play that led us to think about that. It was more so how he was choosing to throw the football and some of the decisions he was making, but it doesn't seem to be the case. It doesn't, and he's, it, there's nothing on the injury report indicating that he was hurt. There is nothing to really lean into to say that he is injured. So if that's not the case, I think he just played a really bad football game in which he was just throwing ducks to the other team. He was missing a couple open guys pretty frequently. He seemed to lose confidence, not only in his receivers, and I, they weren't great, but we'll get more on them. I don't think they were quite as bad as we were making it out to be. And he really lost faith in the offensive line, which maybe they were worse than we made them out to be after the last, after we watched. <laughs> He's a guy that played with no confidence in this game, and that was from throwing. That goes from reading coverage. That was dropping back. Like I don't know. I have not seen him. I don't even want to say he was nervous or the moment was too big. He just played with absolutely no confidence coming out after that safety. Yeah, we we saw maybe a reticent to step up into the pocket, which could definitely lead to more. You know, back. You know, thrown off your back foot, not being able to drive the ball to certain you know receivers and things like that. It's a little scary when you got Quentin Williams on the interior and Quentin Williams is beating the hell out of your interior offensive line. Listen, we all still agree that this is one of the best interior offensive lines in the league. Quentin Williams was just destructive all day long. And that led to more Patrick Mahomes drifting back out of the pocket, throwing off of his back foot on top of the lack of trust for some of the wide receivers and, you know, obviously a bunch of rookie receivers who maybe aren't always in the same place. And then the Jets, after a hot start by the Chiefs, bracketing Travis Kelsey more, you know, chipping him a little bit more, not allowing him to get some of the space that he initially had in the early going of the game. That just kind of added up into what we can call, you know, like early season Mahomesisms. You know, like this has been kind of the same and this was by far the most egregious I, I don't want to make it out to minimize this performance this was by far the most egregious but he has some of these especially at around this point in time every single year where he's still learning to trust his offensive line he's certainly gone through enough of them at this point but still learning to trust it when you've got a good interior that's pushing the pocket a little bit more and you don't have weapons that you can trust to be, you know, on hot routes and you get the ball out quickly to him. 
it looks like this. Now, again, this was by far the most egregious, but the entire time that I was watching that, I was thinking this feels like the Colts game from last year where you had that interior defensive line pushing the pocket. The Chiefs were making mistakes. They weren't able to move the ball. It just didn't work. The difference between that game and this game was the run game, but Patrick Mahomes, by and large, looked very similar to how he did in that Colts game. And I know for a fact that we sat in these chairs and said very similar things about Patrick Mahomes after that performance. He was able to turn it around. Yeah, we will see what happens. He's got to have a lot of rebound this year, though. You ready for some spoilers? Yes. He's, he's going to He's going <laughs> to No, um... Yeah, I, I think there's there's a lot of layers to this. And there's, again, like I think removing ourselves a little bit from a game where it was obviously frustrating for 45 minutes of football after the, you know, the, the hot start. We have to continue to acknowledge that this is going to be a process for this team more than it probably has been at any point in Patrick Mahomes' career. And we did not appropriately account for the newness of this team sitting here in the first couple days of October because, well, Patrick Mahomes can do anything and he's done it on a high ankle sprain. So it's just like a little bit of the expectations for where we sit today are because of how good the best player in the history of our sport that we are covering, better than Tom Brady better than anyone else that has laced up their shoes or in some cases in the in the 50s their boots um this is just i i think we are i think we are going through um a, a slog right and this is a bad this defense is a bad defense to go against when you are trying to navigate some of oh. this stuff. this is a a defense that that gave up less points than the chiefs scored to the Buffalo Bills, who are doing Buffalo Bills things in the beginning of the season and running out of bullets early and going ham and beating the brakes off of teams early in the season. Um, they're, they're, I mean, the Chief, they, they, they only gave up 16 points to the Jets or to the Bills. Like, so they're, they're, there's a lot of layers to this, and I want to get into, you know, several of them. But first, every golfer wants to hit it longer, straighter, and with more control. And if you want to fast track your golf performance, all you need to do is schedule a PXG custom club fitting experience. You'll be one-to-one with a PXG fitting specialist who can fit you for the incredible new PXG Gen 6 golf clubs available in multiple head shapes to suit every skill level and dial them in to amplify your swing and show you visible gains in distance, accuracy, and forgiveness. These clubs are nothing short of astounding, and your only regret will be what took you so long to get fitted for PXG clubs. If you're in the Kansas City or Overland Park area, you can visit our local store located in Overland Park near 119th Street in Blue Valley Parkway. And there's, I mean, there's several PXG locations across the country, too. So you can find a way to take advantage of that if you're not in the KC area. For the month of October, PXG is offering $25 fitting. So make your appointment at pxg.com or by calling PXG Kansas City at 913-396-6100. PXG, nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period. We're going to take a break. We'll be back right after this. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. 
It's more fun to be there for live Kansas City Chiefs football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the Kansas City Chiefs and the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. And you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com Chiefs. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. So talked a little bit about Mahomes specifically. Like anything about the performance outside of that you really want to talk about, Maddie? Because I do have some thoughts in... Some some other th- musings, but if I there's mean, anything specifically about Mahomes, please. No, I think I think so for sure because I think we as fans of the Chiefs are conditioned to look for reasons why Mahomes played poorly and not simply just straight up say he played poorly. And I we're going to get into more stuff about why the offense overall struggled, but it wasn't like Mahomes was being let down when the struggle started. That first intercept, or the there was the safety on Jawan Taylor. On it was a hold or a face mask. I don't care about the safety being an inch outside the end zone or not. That doesn't affect me. But that was a holding face mask penalty. Whatever. He comes right back though. The next drive, he throws a very unforced interception. I mean, there everything about that was bad. He not only was that play open earlier in the down, and he kind of seemed to be looking at it. He waited, drifted, and then still tried to throw the ball in a very tight angle, and then it ended up nowhere near where he was trying to put it. That's all on him. That was an unforced Patrick Mahomes error. And there were there were a few of those throughout the game. And as the game kept going, band coverage really gave the Chiefs fits. Like, really gave the Chiefs yeah. fits. Not surprising. However, there was a handful of times where Travis Kelsey was still open and Mahomes seemed to be dead set on going to somebody else. And I, not in a, he was ignoring Travis Kelsey, just that he was looking to the other side of the formation that he was reading something else or that he was waiting for Travis Kelsey to pull coverage and the ball to be fit to somebody else and he didn't throw the ball to him. 
it looked like if the Chiefs wanted to throw the ball to Kelsey 15 times in this game, the offense would have looked a lot better. And maybe there was a specific goal not to do that, not to overwork him in week four of the season. So I do think they left a little meat on the bone. It's hard to tell how much that was purposeful and how much was Patrick Mahomes just kind of missing stuff because he missed throws and it looked like he was missing some throwing windows. There was a deep uh, third and long play later in the game in which they just kind of ran everybody up to the sticks and turned around and he never got to the backside. Justin Watson was wide open. Justin Watson actually got open, whereas the front side, Travis Kelsey and MVS were both completely blanketed and he just never got to the backside in the play where he probably should have. So he wasn't good. I, I Before we move on and start talking about other pieces of this offense that struggled, I want to make it very clear that I don't. I thought he played a pretty bad game and it wasn't like the Lions game where it was just drop after drop after drop. And while the O-line didn't play good, they still gave him a couple opportunities to make plays with his arm. And I think that he was leaving a lot on the field. So I just, I want to get out ahead of that and make it like, we're not making excuses for the guy. Yeah. I just, uh, we're, we're just now to the point where we expect greatness from him at all times, uh, regardless of the surrounding cast, because we have witnessed him do it with a less than stellar offensive line with a less than stellar receiving core with whatever the case may be on one leg it doesn't matter and so yeah to Maddie's point when things go wrong we start having the moment of okay well surely there's an outside factor here that it's not just him and I, I don't know this season that lack of trust the you know adjusting to the offensive line that's all stuff that can get rectified but we might be in a situation where he isn't as great as he was the previous couple of years. And that's okay. That that happens. You know, you see quarterbacks go through, you know, kind of cyclical things and things like that. And you're not talking oh. career regression either. No, Please no, clarify that. I know, I know you're not. About, I know you know, maybe for the first half of this year, Patrick Mahomes looks like, you know, a top five quarterback rather than the greatest player in the history of the game. Like, you know, it's it's okay to be in that realm. It's fine to be in that realm. It, I, we just need a bigger sample size at this point. That Jets defense is terrific. Like, it, again, might be the best defense that they play all year long, even all the way through to the Super Bowl, which they're still going to make. It is going to be a situation where we're going to have to be taking some of these offensive rebounds against the, you know, against the Vikings, against the Broncos twice, against the Chargers with a massive grain of salt now because we have seen the better defenses that they've played really give this offense fits, really make them feel out of sorts. And yes, that could all be new pieces, that could all be new things, but it might just be that Patrick Mahomes is having to adjust to a different style of play a different set of circumstances, and this might not be one that he can just snap his fingers and make go away like he kind of has for the entirety of his career so far. This little stretch kind of reminds me of 2021, where the Chiefs struggled against the Giants, struggled against the Packers, got bought by the Titans. That was the Chiefs to this that we did after the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, was at the Titans. Um, but I mean, you saw the offense kind of really go through some some walls there, um, and I, I can't. I think it was challenging challenging receivers uh, a, a little bit, and yeah. Um, so here's here's where here's where I'm here's where I'm at. Like, I think I think there's a big trust issue clearly with the 
group as as constitute. I think it's a massive trust issue. You know, we've I, I remember Maddie the the first time you ever used the the phrase on this show throwing with his chest was during that stretch where it was you know Titans three points, Giants twenty points, Packers thirteen points. The first time you used that was I think right after that Giants game was throwing with your chest. Like it didn't seem like checks was, out. Yeah, and I think there is just. There's just a lack of chemistry with some of the with some of the guys that they're that the Chiefs are needing to kind of step up in a big big way, and I think that's what you're seeing. So I pulled up some Kentalytics here. Oh no! I wanted to look. These terrify me. I'm just going to throw that out there before we get going. I I, I wrote them down, but I just kind of wanted what I wanted to do is just kind of get an idea of because like I think if you look at like I don't know I I wanted to look at Kelsey. And then the two top target earners at the receiver position for the first four weeks of the season. Okay. I just want to kind of get an idea of, you know, just, just kind of looking at those numbers. Cause like obviously these numbers are getting spread around because they got a lot of pass catchers. They're thrown to a lot of different guys. But I just wanted to kind of get an idea. So Travis Kelsey in 2022, first four games averaged eight and a half targets. Wide receiver one averaged 7.75 targets. Wide receiver two average five and a half targets. That is, uh, and the and the two wide receivers, the two top wide receivers, that's about thirty six percent of Patrick Mahomes' pass attempts in the first four games. So about a little bit over a third, thirty six percent of of the targets were going to the top two wide receivers. This year, Travis Kelsey in the three games he's played, eight point seven uh, targets near identical to what he was getting. So Kelsey's opportunities and when he's in, in the game, right? Same. Here's where it gets a little little wonky. What do you think the wide receiver one and two are combining for total targets uh, on average in the first four games? Seven. Yeah, not bad. That'd be, that'd be way worse. They're averaging 10. Five and a half targets, four and a half targets, right? And I look at and and, and three different times it's been Rushy Rice that has yeah. that has been the, ta- yep. the top target earner five five and seven I believe are the three numbers that got him the lead in targets. I just look and that's only twenty seven percent or we'll go twenty eight percent of the targets the target share are in those top two receivers. So they're spreading the ball out. I don't you know he doesn't have a ton of confidence in any other guy outside of Travis Kelsey is what I see. And even Rasheed Rice, it's not big high leverage option routes or a ton of plays like that. You know, some of it's manufactured, some of it's quick hitches that they're targeting him on, RPOs, some of those kind of things. I just look at this group and I feel like they, he's always had some kind of reliability and trust with someone outside of Travis Kelsey and just not having any of that at all. And I know we can talk about Marquez Valdez Scantling and him chucking that ball around in the AFC championship game. This is early season again. It's 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 wiping the slate clean. And right now, I just don't think that there is a ton of trust and confidence, understanding of roles that, you know, within this offensive structure. And I think you're seeing a lack of, you know, like just it's it's just all over the place. 13 it was 13.25 targets for wide receivers one and two last year in the first four games. It's 10 targets for wide receivers one and two. And I just don't think there's any clear, like, there's obviously not a clear cut guy yet, but I think that really hurts what Mahomes wants to do in, in some of the areas that he wants to do it. I mean, I, 
Yeah, I agree with everything you're saying. I think even more so, it's where the targets come. Like you said, Rasheed Rice is leading the wide receivers in targets, and the vast majority of his targets are five-yard hitch routes right over the ball out of the slot. Not that that's not a valuable play. That's clearly been the Chiefs' best non-Travis Kelsey pass that they've thrown through four weeks, right? But that doesn't impact defensive play calling. That's what defenses are giving up. And Rasheed Rice's ability to get north and south in a hurry and pick up tough extra yards is making it worthwhile. But that's what teams want the Chiefs to take. And the problem is, that's the only place they're really having success throwing to not Kelsey, is giving what's or is taking what's being given to him. And while, yes, it, that's a sound strategy to have good football and move up and down the field, I think you saw it against the Jets later in the game when the Chiefs had to have their final game-winning field goal drive, and then even after, they were essentially just throwing the ball five yards and picking up little chunk play after little chunk play to march all the way down the field. Like, there's definitely some theory. If you're going to sit there and just give that to the Chiefs over and over again, they have to take it. I think in years past, though, they have been able to manufacture better than they've been able to this year. Shots a little bit farther downfield. Patrick Mahomes said it. He didn't quite realize what not having Juju Smith-Schuster was going to mean. I don't think that he didn't uh, appreciate him while he was here, but I think he didn't realize how difficult it was going to be to form that confidence, that connection with another guy, and they haven't yet. You look at what they when they try to go to Sky Moore on design plays, they tried to run him that little speed out two yards beyond the sticks. They tried to run him on the little whip route that Juju Smith-Schuster ran last year to high-leverage third downs. He got zero separation coming out of that. Like They drew up a couple third-down plays to get Sky Moore one-on-one with the corner in good leverage and to take advantage, and he just was unable to do it. They don't have that guy. They don't have somebody they can reliably try to go get 10 yards that's not named Travis Kelsey. I think that shows up, and what I think that leads to like the big issue uh, for the whole thing is the Chiefs still lack an offensive identity, but more so, they no longer dictate what the defense does. For years, the Chiefs' offense dictated the coverage the opposing defense played. When they had Tyreek Hill, you couldn't play man coverage. You couldn't play single high because they were just ripping you down the field vertically the entire time. They made you play in a soft shell, and they forced you into playing zone. Last year, the Chiefs forced you into playing man coverage because Juju Smith-Schuster and Travis Kelsey were terrorizing zone coverage. You had to play man coverage. That means Andy Reid can sit there and say, hmm, I guess they're going to play zone coverage on this play or man coverage on this play. Let me call mesh and it's actually against man-to-man and not zone. Oh, I know they're going to play man-to-man or they're going to play zone. We're going to call a spacing concept. We're just going to call some hitches. Now it's not in demand. Like I think that's the issue they're running into this year. They're calling zone beaters and getting man coverage. They're calling man beaters and getting zone coverage. And it's because they have no ability to dictate what the defense does currently. Not that they won't get there, but currently they don't have the ability to dictate the opposing team's coverage right now. That's not a problem, but that's something they have to work on going forward. That I that's a perfectly I think that is a extremely well framed argument. And like we we talked a lot about the wide receiver position this offseason. And through four games, it's a problem. Okay? It is. Um there is such a long runway, right, for that to flesh itself out in a different way and become a better version and become a better offense and, you know, find some more consistency in different areas, right? There are there are opportunities. There's a long, long sample size for guys to potentially, you know, break out. I think there's like positive indicators for Rashi Rice, for instance. 
But this was the big, the big thing that I, the big issue I had with the wide receiver group coming into this this season was the lack of proven. It was just there was not a lack of proven commodities that were going to operate in the areas of the field that Patrick Mahomes has had success in and have shown and have a sample size of success. Because you can even talk about the Marquez Valdez Scantlings and you can talk about Justin Watson being back and all that stuff. They're not, they are who they are. And people try to make them more than they are. They never, they're not. Justin Watson's not good. I don't think Justin Watson's just going to have a renaissance and be, you know, the, a different player than he was. He's going to catch, he's going to have a four or 500 yard season. It's going to be good. It's going to probably be a career year, but it's not going to be some kind of dynamic, life-changing, you know, performance offensively. And that's okay. Marquez Valdez scaling, probably going to be in the same area he was. Boomer bust, big impact plays. Every couple games here, I just I the, it was the the thing that concerns me is it's it's the it's the proven commodity in the receiver room, and there just is it. All the all the concerns have been realized. Kadarius Tony's injury, you know, uh, Justin Watson taking a step, uh, all these all these like guys that you 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 hope would kind of you know work itself out. The ceiling for this group is Rasheed Rice, but it's starting to look more and more like as for guys that are truly going to break out, there's really not very many other options outside of him. And a lot of these guys look like they're probably going to just be what they are in that room, which can work. But you just this is when when you have games like this being just who this group is, that's when it becomes problematic. And I know they won, but the offense got shut out, shut down for 45 minutes. And the Chiefs didn't really seem to have a ton of answers. And then when you pair that with a, you know, a difficult Mahomes performance, not great. Craig, I know I'm sorry I jumped in. Uh, yeah, Craig's been chilling for like 10 minutes. Hi, guys. I'm here. I haven't spoken for 10 minutes. Um, I like, everyone. <laughs> I was just chilling out over here. I'm going to I'm gonna tag up. Um, I, I think we need to be concerned about Sky Moore. Um, I, think, I think we are to that point yeah. fully here. I even made him my player to watch for this game, and I said, hey, listen, another performance like he had against Jacksonville outside of the big, long you know, pass play and against the Bears is enough. Like, that's doing enough for this offense and being that guy that can pick up seven, eight, nine, ten yards on occasion when he is targeted here. This is now the second game this year that Sky Moore has failed to record a catch. The way that he plays the game, that is not acceptable. Like, if, if you told me, okay, Justin Watson or MVS isn't going to have a catch this game, I would be like, okay, I understand how that works. You know, they're more operating on the vertical plane. Patrick Mahomes wasn't able to find, you know, space to kind of throw down the field to those guys. That's fine. That's not where Sky Moore wins. He is there to get volume targets and turn those into, you know, six to 10 yard gains routinely to eat up that chunk yardage. When he is not involved in the game plan, it looks bad. And I'm not saying that the Chiefs need to go out and make a, an extreme focus on getting him the ball or something like that because he's obviously not getting himself into those open positions, earning Patrick Mahomes' trust, and earning those targets himself. And that's where the concerning nature of all this is. It's not like he's wide open and Patrick's just not looking at him. No, he's not open. And that's that's really troublesome. You can't have a guy lining up in the areas of the field and operating in the areas of the field that he is 
and not be able to get enough separation to get volume targets. That's why he's here. That's why they spent a second round pick on him. That's why we liked him coming out of the draft is because he won in those areas of the field. I liked him a lot. It's not translated so far. And it's to the point now where if he's going to be eating up those snaps, if he's going to be running those routes and occupying those areas of the field and not getting that separation, he needs to make way for Rashi Rice because at least there's something there in those areas of the field. He can catch it, turn up field, create some explosive plays a little bit more. It needs to happen sooner rather than later. You can't have this many games throughout a a young wide receiver's career that he is on the field for as often as he is and does not record a catch in the ways that he plays the game. That's just not something that they can afford to have on this offense right now. Yeah, and so, one, appreciate everybody here hanging out with us uh, during the Monday Night Football game. It's probably halftime now, judging by how many people are around, I'm guessing. But uh, thank you guys for hanging out. Let us know in the comments section if you guys want more offense talk, uh, like talk about some offensive line play or the defense uh, coming up here in a couple minutes. But you let us know what you guys want, the uh, the leading of part of the team in the defense or talking about the offensive line and how that led to some struggles. I, to piggyback on what Craig's saying here, the Chiefs already are starting two wide receivers that are slow burn vertical wide receivers in Justin Watson and Marquez Valdez scaling. Neither one of these guys really jump off the line of scrimmage. Neither one of these guys hit zero to 60 immediately. These guys are, and they're essentially vertical only receivers. These guys don't run the full route tree particularly well at the NFL level. They don't run cross field stuff. They don't run great double moves unless it's like a post corner. They just don't do everything. And that's fine. That puts them in a niche role and that's fine. And to Craig's point, you want to say one week they catch two 40-yard bombs and have 80 yards and a touchdown, and then another week they have no catches or even zero targets? Fine. You can live with that. What you can't live with, though, is the Z-wide receiver in an Andy Reid offense on the backside who's supposed to have the full route tree at his disposal getting no receptions over 50% of the games. You can't have that guy in that role only working on the vertical plane, and that's been the issue with Sky Moore. He is their Z-wide receiver. That guy does everything. He is essentially only being effective on the vertical plane right now. A couple back shoulders. He ran a nice out route last week against the Bears, I believe it was. But like everything is vertical for him too. That makes three wide receivers vertical players in a Chiefs offense that quite frankly hasn't been that good at pressing the ball on straight verticals. Corners, posts, stuff like that is fine. They just haven't done a great job of pushing it vertical. So like the way the receivers are mixing together doesn't make a lot of sense. And I think I do think a big part of that is somebody in, I, I don't want to call out one particular player because like anybody could take this job. Anybody could be getting Sky Moore's reps and nobody is. Kadarius Tony, Rasheed Rice, Justin Ross, nobody's getting these reps, but he is not performing well in them. And when they call his number, it's getting, it's going even worse. He's getting open, not at all. So it's just, they do got to figure out a change here because the, the the combo of what Sky Moore is currently bringing with MVS and Justin Watson means guys are getting open way too late in every single rep, and it kind of becomes Travis Kelsey has to be your de facto first read because nobody else can get open in under three seconds. Well, and think about the moments like they try to throw them throw him that out route, and he drifts up field on a big third down. So like even and I'll tell you what, Mahomes has not been more. I, I, this is probably an unfair framing. I've seen Mahomes, I was going to say frustrated, but I've seen Mahomes make corrections to receivers more this year than in any year. And that's not all that surprising at all when you think about everything we've talked about with confidence, with trust, 
with holding the ball and trying to make things happen and all this stuff. It's he he's not liking what he's seeing. He's not liking consistently what what routes are being run or how routes are being run. And you're seeing him make you're seeing him make him corrections every single game. And Sky Moore has zero excuses. Absolutely zero excuses. He's halfway. This is the end of this season. Is halfway through his rookie contract. And and I mean, yeah, it was it was it's been bad. Here's from this is from Joshua Briscoe, kind of tagging to everything. 122 total snaps for uh, Justin Watson, Sky Moore, and Marquez Valdez Gantling. They combined for two catches in 11 yards. And I can understand the boomer bust nature of MVS and Watson. Like to your point, Moore's got to have more consistency to what he does. Absolutely has to. It's kind of weird to say this, uh, and we can move on after this, but um, looking at the October schedule, um, they got the Vikings, they've got two games against Denver, and they got the Chargers. Now, it's weird to call those four games the games where you figure stuff out and try to understand your... But they absolutely are. (laughs) They hit three divisional games to solve the receiver position because after that, November, you've got Miami and Philly. <laughs> December, you've got Buffalo, Cincinnati, and then the Chargers again. Uh, that's a backloaded schedule that they're going to need consistency and confidence and trust in that group. And this week was not a good week for that. Now, it, it everyone shares the blame. We're going to talk about the offensive line. Mahomes definitely shares some blame, and the receivers absolutely share some blame as well. So there's there's a lot to go around, but uh, and this is a de- this is a really hard defense to go up against too. Like we'll continue to emphasize that, but man, they've they've got a lot of work to do to continue to get ready for you know peaking at the right time. The NFL season is going strong, and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking new customers up with an offer that's even stronger. Bet five bucks on any game this week to score two hundred dollars instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this October. Get in on the game day greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code KCSN. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet $5 on the NFL. That's code KCSN. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. Licensee partner, Golden Nugget, Lake Charles, Louisiana. 21 and older age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance see sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources uh okay so any feedback on what we want to go to next we want to talk go line we're going to talk defense we had any feedback on what we want to do most people said more offensive talks, but we'll be real brief with it because we do got to talk defense here. And like the offensive line would be another segment as long as the wide receiver one. Um, let's just cut straight to the point. After like the first couple drives, it was really, really bad. Like not functionally, like you couldn't function with it. There were so many plays where a, the second read of a progression on one side 
couldn't even get out of a break before Patrick Holmes did actually have to move because the pressure was getting to him. And the Chiefs really struggled, this is Mahomes included, handling the hard slanting of half of the off the defensive line and then a looper coming over the top. They could not wall off the, the slant. They could not wall off the spikes and that left the looper one-on-one and it forced Mahomes to scramble or slide to the looper. And then he has to make a decision. Is he going to go outside the tackle or inside? Like It led to a lot of issues. Like, Shout out to the Jets. It was a great defensive game plan. It wasn't the first time that she saw, have seen that though. And I was a little disappointed with how poorly they handled it. And it wasn't just the tackles. I want to Trey Smith was having a tough time with Quinn and Williams one-on-one. Joe Tooney was having a tough time with Quinn and Williams one-on-one. Creed Humphrey missed a couple different spikes that he probably should pick up. And if he does, it's a it's a at least there's a chance for a good play, assuming that Mahomes you know, delivers the ball on target. I thought the offensive line play and pass protection was really bad. I thought they did a very bad job communicating. I think guys weren't doing a very good job winning when they did have one-on-one. So like they need to go back to the drawing board on how to handle this particular this particular pressure, right? The, the slanting of a D and a D tackle and then a D tackle or a linebacker or a D end looping all the way around. They need a better solution than what they had because what they were doing was not working. However, it also works a lot better if your guys win their one-on-ones. That gives Mahomes freedom. Like the Jets were forcing him to move into the looper. Not they didn't have a good answer for the looper, but like they were already kind of playing catch up on the play because of how difficult of a task blocking the Jets' interior guys were. And two, why Yoder asked, you know, is that a schem- schematic or a personnel issue? I I think it's schematic. Like I I really do. Uh, the Jets ran plenty of games, you know, in previous you know previous games that they played so far this season. So it's not surprising that they had some of the stunts and the twists and the things like that that they had going on there. It just maybe wasn't to this level, and that's just something that you know Chiefs are going to have to be aware of. It's on tape now. There are going to be teams that are going to be trying to do this a little bit more, and it may just not have been something that was in the install this week. We've, we've talked to Jeff Allen about this multiple times on this very network about, you know, the the assignments, the, you know, the, the sort of, you know, blocking you know, techniques and schematics and all of that that they come into the game with, and it's not very many. It's shockingly low. And so when extra things get thrown at you that way, a lot of that is coaching up on the sideline, trying to figure that sort of stuff out. And that's hard to do. And it's especially hard to do when you've got as good of a defensive line across from you that can really execute those at a high level. So I'm Andy Heck and company will get it figured out. They typically do and those sorts of things. I'm less worried about that. I am a little bit more worried about to, you know, the credit of somebody else that uh, put that Kip Carnes up here. Does it look like John or uh, that Jawan Taylor moved up? Now he's having a hard time getting his blocks or getting into his pass set is essentially what Kip's asking here, and it does. It looks like he's not able to hit all the way back up the arc and protect things, protect Patrick Mahomes at the top of his drop. Mahomes was not helping. Make no mistake here; he was drifting back out of the pocket. That makes life easier on pass rushers there. But Jawan Taylor was not getting to the spots that we'd normally seen him, and it's clearly something that he has had to have drilled into his head, that he is trying to focus on, I have to be aligned here. I can't jump. All the focus is on me here. I can't take that early step. I can't try and time the snap. I'm going to get flagged. And so I need to be well within the bounds of what this is. And it sucks for him that he he has this giant target on his back 
because it is clearly hindering his ability to get out of his stance, get up the arc, protecting the ways that the Chiefs went out and paid him $20 million a year to do because he's really good at doing that. And now he's been nerfed a little bit because he has to go through all of that. It sucks, but it was clearly a problem yesterday. And it's just really unfortunate that it's come to that. And I do, I do want to add real quick too: the jets, the way they played, it, it puts a lot on his plate. It just, it puts a lot on his plate half the time, not half, but you know, a significant amount of the time he's facing a, like a wide nine rusher. Who's just speed rushing off the edge. Did another chunk of the time, his guys looping entirely away from him, but then he's also having to work over to protect the B gap because that's kind of where the, the guard has to slide away to protect the slant. Other parts of the time, all of a sudden, his defensive end, who's lined up outside of him, is crashing into the B gap, and somebody's going to come looping around him. So here's a guy thinking about, one, where he's aligning, two, how early he's getting off the ball, because while we haven't seen the false start penalties, they have called him on some this year because of his early jump. So he's having to worry about his alignment, his snap timing, and then now he's in a uncomfortable position for him because he spent less time working on it. He's having to get back and defend all these different types of rush plans from the you know from an opponent. The Chiefs paid him a lot of money. He's got to figure it out. Like don't get me wrong, this isn't making an excuse saying it's okay. He's got to figure this out because they they need him to be better. Donovan Smith wasn't good, but he was definitely better overall than Juwan Taylor was this game. And that hasn't been the case sans the penalties. Like, that hasn't been the case. Now, Bryce Huff still put Donovan Smith in a lot of trouble, too. Sure. They, they both struggled with speed. And before this game, it was only one side really struggling with speed. So it's just, he had a lot on his plate. And I get that, but you hope to start to see progress over the next couple of weeks, kind of like with the wide receivers. He's got a few weeks to figure this out, but he is having to change how he's playing, and the Jets gave him a lot of looks to defend while doing it. I can't believe Craig used the word nerfed. Like, I'm still not over that. I've been thinking, I've been, like, letting that sit for a while. Um, yes, I did, huh? Jinx, jinx. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say this. <laughs> Craig, isn't it? Also, you know, hey, like, it's not it's not the end of the world for the, uh, you know, the Chiefs to see this kind of stuff now. You know, I, hey, they got out of it with a win against a really good defense that was playing for their life. You know, Jermaine Johnson said they had something cooking for him. They needed to go. They needed to go two and two. They need to get another dub under their belt. So, you know, the Chiefs are always going to see stuff. You know, and some of this late loop from a pass rusher, or some of these, you know, late looping from a linebacker that we've seen in the past, or late close from a linebacker. We've seen these kind of things affect the Chiefs in the past. Uh, obviously, a little bit different, but um, you know, it's it's stuff that they're going to get worked out. I'm mad. That I I just hope Jawan Taylor's confidence isn't destroyed from all this because I'm Chris Collinsworth is doing the Bengals work for him even though the Bengals can't do the Bengals work for themselves because they're one and three, um. But that really just I'm just irritated. I'm just irritated that this is a story. I'm irritated that he's getting picked on, and it's just it's frustrating. You know, it's frustrating that we've got to this point. I'll if everybody wouldn't mind getting their uh their game balls together and start leaving some comments about who you want to get a game ball. We're going to be going there here in a few minutes. Um, so uh, your player for the, for the game, the game ball, but Craig, just give you a minute to talk about the defense. Uh, this is the appropriate ratio. What one uh, minute, uh, one, one minute well, to talk about the chiefs best unit in 40, 43 seconds now, 42 go. That's okay. I got to say that they were the best unit. 
I, once again, you know, I, not the best performance here. I, I talked about it a little bit yesterday. Gave plenty of stats on the post game show about you know uh, the Jets getting into heavy personnel. You know, it, getting their tight ends out in routes against the Chiefs linebacking core. It, it it didn't go well for the Chiefs. It wasn't because the linebackers were in bad position. Just weren't able to do some of the things that you know they're typically able to do out of their nickel defenses. I will say this. When the Jets were in 11 personnel and the Chiefs were countering with nickel, whether that be the 4-2-5 or our coveted, beloved 3-3-5, which had negative total yardage allowed on the day, um, the the Chiefs defense was really good. Like, And that's been kind of a problem spot, not necessarily the 3-3-5. It's been fine, but that 4-2-5 look against lighter personnel has been really bad so far this year, especially against the run, not plugging the run very well. I, the Bears game was what it was, but Jacksonville and Detroit both kind of tore up the nickel a little bit more than we'd hope or than we'd become accustomed to under Steve Spagnuolo. So it was good to see that when everything was going right for the Jets and Zach Wilson was playing out of his mind, and hey, shout out to all the Chiefs players for jumping on Twitter afterwards and just being like, yo, that dude balled out. Like, I mean, they, they had nothing but praise for that kid. Oh, Ronnie Harrison. Uh, okay, we'll get to that in a second. But anyway, he, he was playing really well, did not do so well against the 4-2-5. I don't know what Rodney Harrison's problem is. Like the fa- Shout out to Chris Jones for holding it down, not taking the bait there. Rodney Harrison's just trying to be like, yeah, he's terrible, right? Like, we all know he's terrible. <laughs> Chris, just tell us he's terrible. And Chris was like, no, he was good tonight. I don't know what the deal is. And Rodney kept coming back to it. I I get it. Patriots, Jets rivalry and all of that. But man, you got to at least put on some fake, uh, you know, unbiased take here. That was egregious and bad. And I'm very glad that he, Zach Wilson came out in his postgame presser and said, I lost just the game. And, you know, I owned up to all of that. I'm very glad that the Chiefs players went out of their way on Twitter in post-game interviews, in the podium, you know, stuff that they were doing, and said, hey, listen, that dude was way better than we expected him to be tonight. He played exceptionally well and hat-tipped him all day long. Uh, Rodney Harrison needs to just chill. Unprofessional. Yeah. Unprofessional. Embarrassing. Pathetic. Anyways, Matthew, I know you have some defensive thoughts about Yeah, and I... I was hoping to see a little bit more from the D line uh, against this Jets offensive line. I really, I, I understand the Jets were getting the ball. Kind of, we talked about it on the post game. Like the ball was coming out pretty league average. It wasn't, it wasn't overly quick. I thought the Chiefs really had the Jets scrambling early in the game with all the the you know pressures, all the blitzes, all dropping guys out. I fans got really mad because they saw Karloftis and Felix out in coverage on zone blitzes, and like, yeah, that that's what happens when a zone blitz doesn't get home, but. The other five times it got home and Zach Wilson had to tuck the ball or you know throw it straight into the ground or whatever, like we were all happy with it. It just so it's like it's take it or leave it. And I think when they got away from doing that is when Zach Wilson kind of found his stride. I think the two, you know, the up 17 nothing, the Chiefs playing not necessarily prevent, but they were getting tired because they were on the field for a lot there in a stretch at the end of the first half. They kind of played basic and to not give up the big play. And that really let Zach Wilson find his stride. And that carried into that drive after halftime. I think you saw once the Chiefs really had to settle back in, they brought some stuff back and it kind of led back into the same thing. It became a little bit more of a fight for the Jets again. 
you know, they got a big long run from a perfect play call, then stalled out because of some mistakes. The Chiefs are starting to get more into, you know, back into the Steve Spagnuolo bag. So the good, Steve Spagnuolo absolutely torture act the Jets offense. The bad, when he wasn't doing that, they weren't looking the best. That's when, that's when you need that D-line to show up. And I know Chris Jones is dealing with a little bit of an injury. And actually, Nate Taylor, I think, had tweeted out during the game, he had like three straight drives went by where Chris Jones wasn't out there to start the drive. That's interesting. I just wonder how bad, you know, the groin injury is. Is he 100% or not? Because it did not look like he had the same juice for some of these Jets tackles as he maybe had versus Jacksonville, you know, in his first game back. And then George Karloftis, I know, was getting some pressures. He was struggling to finish some of them, and that led to some broken plays. He was also getting stuffed a lot on the four down rush, and so was Dana. So it's just, I wanted to see more, but I do think Steve Spagnuolo is doing a great job with the pressure packages behind it. And when you have a coverage unit playing as good as this coverage unit is on a down-by-down basis, it gets easy, right? Steve Spagnuolo no longer has to protect everybody. Legereus Sneed, Trent McDuffie, these, Josh Williams, these guys are holding up by their own without assistance more than enough to justify sending the house, more than enough to justify sending these pressures. So like, I think it's something to keep monitoring when the Chiefs decide to go with these pressures because I don't, I don't know if there's a game that an offense will be able to just simply throw them out of being able to pressure like the Bills did last year to them in the regular season. The Bills essentially threw them out of being able to blitz because the coverage wasn't working. This year, the coverage has been excellent. So if that's going for the Chiefs, that, that's huge once you get into the playoffs and going forward. All sample size, but Chris Jones is pacing for 18 and a half sacks. 16 games. He's, I think I have a feeling he's going to need more than that to get defensive player of the year this year. Holy cow. Yeah, there's a, this is a, yeah. Tough year. Tough year, but yeah. Uh, I think we'd all sign up for 18 and a half. Well, I mean, yeah. Let's <laughs> <laughs> uh, get that against Russ alone. <laughs> we'll find out in 10 days. Nine days, ten. I don't know. Man. I don't want to know. Um, sticker slaps in the spirits time, though. And we saw the game balls. I, I think we've got a winner for the game balls. My helmet sticker is going to go to Drew Tranquil, stepping in, playing the Mike linebacker uh, again this week. I thought he did another outstanding job. Um, you know, I we talked a little bit about you know maybe maybe he wasn't maybe finishing some of the plays along the inside, but shooting that gap and forcing some bounces and stuff. You know, he did some really good things there. He's exceptional in coverage. Like he's just he's he's a he's a really good coverage linebacker. And that is he's got exceptional range. He's making things competitive and sometimes that's all linebackers can do. It's just make things competitive. You're not always going to be able to make plays on the ball at the linebacker position. Sometimes you just got to challenge and make things competitive and he absolutely did that again. I've been very impressed with Drew Twinkle. I think he is one of the absolute steals of free agency. I think if you look at the 10 best free agent value, one of the best values for what the Chiefs got him for, and just one of the best, one of the steals of free agency. He's been outstanding. It's fun to have such great linebacker depth. And I think one of you guys said it, Drew Tranquil and Nick Bolton need to be on the field at the same time when Nick Bolton gets back. Find a way to keep Drew Tranquil on the field because that dude is has been absolutely outstanding. So that's my helmet sticker. Butt slapping a good job, Matthew. What you got? I was muted. I didn't know I was next. Um, I'm going to go with... Okay, we spent a lot of time kind of like down talking the offensive line's play, and we didn't really talk about the fact that Chiefs kind of won this game because of the run game. 
And the uh, Chiefs offensive line was really good in the run game. No surprise. You start pulling some guys. You let this big, mean offensive line block downhill. You let them be physical. It leads to some successful runs. It leads to some big running games. It allows Trey Smith to absolutely obliterate poor DJ Reed in the open field and then tweet about it the next day, right? Like, you put their, these guys in their best spot to succeed when you run downhill, and the Chiefs kind of figured that out for this game. This is three weeks in a row now where they've been sprinkling in more gap stuff. They've been getting into it a little bit more. I'm hoping it's not just matchup dependent. The Jets were making it easy. Andy Reid said it was because of their zone defense. I think it was more just because of the depth they were playing with with so many guys. Not necessarily zone, just more so the depth and linebackers playing to read step everything and never step down. They were never stepping down as they were reading. It was always back or stand still. Like I think the Jets made it a little easy, but the Chiefs absolutely took advantage and executed exceptionally well in the run game. Keep it up. The passing game is not going to work every single week right now with what this offense has going on. Maybe we don't go three drives trying to force it and stick with the run a little bit more, Andy. I know. I know that's asking a lot. You're getting real far out the comfort zone. Like you're getting away from the cheeseburger and you're trying, you're trying a a food from a different country. I get it. It's scary, but it's time. Like, you know, maybe lean on the run game when Mahomes is playing that poorly, when there's clearly no trust in the wide receivers, because it can work. We just saw it versus a very good defense. Drunken noodles are delicious too, Andy. (laughs) And uh, yeah, to kind of build off of Maddie's there, but this isn't my my spirit, but uh, shout out to Donovan Smith for an excellent block on Patrick Mahomes' scramble that has been the talk of Twitter all day long. And I am so very grateful that on top of all of the offensive line folks pointing out that no ball, pointing out that that was a completely legal block there, that Gerald McCoy, (laughs) defensive tackle, Jumps on Twitter and says, what are we doing here, guys? Like, the the dude quit trying. He threw his hands up that nobody's going nobody's gonna to call that. So, shout out to Donovan Smith for that excellent block on Jermaine Johnson on that. Hit the weight room, 11. Hit the yeah. weight room, buddy. <laughs> you, got, you got weight room for, for sure. All right. Whole-ass bottle of Ben Holiday bourbon. Going to Legereus Sneed this week. Legereus Sneed saw 21% of the targets that Zach Wilson threw on uh, you know yesterday's game. That is a ludicrous amount. I'm not sure that I have ever seen that much volume go one player's way. And so naturally, you would expect, hey, listen, there's going to be some completions there. He's going to give up some yardage, which he did on occasion to Garrett Wilson, but he made it so tough. Legereus Sneed led the Chiefs in yards per target at 3.78 and led the Chiefs in defensive success rate overall there. That is ludicrous. 78%. That is ludicrous for a player to get targeted that much with that kind of talent that he is following around all game long and a quarterback dealing the way that he was. So the luxurious knee played phenomenally, and I'm seeing some of the praise today for the way that he played. There needs to be more. This was by far his best game of the season, and I felt like he just really showed that, hey, I can be CB1. I can follow guys around. I know there was a little bit of hesitation early on in the game about that, but he absolutely locked down guys through the second, third, fourth quarter. Really, really good performance for Legereus. 
right, the comments are in, and the game ball is going to Isaiah Pacheco as as he earned. I mean, had an outstanding game, just a career game. Um, right next, right next door, right, right, right by his house. He was running like he was late for dinner at home. Like just that that life turf finally lost the battle. Like the, the pounding that Pacheco put on that turf, it finally took it out. <laughs> he was t- he was taking it out on that turf. He, like I, there was a couple times, like actually, you know what? So MetLife, you know how there's like ground tire. That there wasn't ground tire in the MetLife turf until Isaiah Pacheco started running on it. <laughs> it was just tires. It was just tires. And just then he just, tires. he just, he just, he just. a 418 if the man didn't lift his knee so high. If he would put that force into moving like forward instead of up, he, he might break four seconds in the 40. It, and, it's no wonder that there were no injuries other than Cole Christensen this week. Yeah. Isaiah Pacheco tamed the turf by himself. He threatened it. He, he threatened it. He was know. doing push ups. He was just giving it the close talking to. He was. <laughs> He was establishing dominance on the on the MetLife turf. He was showing it who was boss, <laughs> and he did all over the field. Uh, so Isaiah Pacheco is the game ball vote from the comment section. That is going to do it for this episode of the KC Laboratory. Thank you all so much for listening, so much ha- for hanging out. We appreciate you all, and make sure you're checking everything going on on KC Sports Network. We will have you covered for this week and also for uh, this upcoming game against the Minnesota Vikings. Thank you again. We'll catch you later. Shout out Derek Nadi too. The lone nose tackle. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.